listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. Those stories are always so amazing to think that we're not here gathered just because we're in the religious south and this is what people do on Sundays. But that the Spirit of God is at work, He is alive, and the gospel of Jesus Christ is able to transform lives. If, they, if we don't believe that, then hopefully we will before we leave this morning. Because that's the only reason any of this matters or makes any sense. And if you're visiting with us this morning, we just want to give you a special welcome. We want you to know that we're glad that you're here, that at Fellowship Paragold, we want to meet you because we want you to meet Jesus. And so there's some different ways that you can get connected with us, and you'll hear more about that at the end of the service. But just to say there's a, some connect cards over here, or maybe singular connect card, so y'all can <laughs> fight over that and give us some entertainment a little later. But we'll get some more of those. But you can come to, to me or Jared or Luke if, if you really need to, to talk to someone. And this morning we're going to kick off a new series. If you want to go ahead and open up your Bibles to John chapter 16, to John chapter 16. We're starting this new series called Ghost Stories. You may be wondering, what in the world? Well, if you grew up on the King James Bible, like many of us did, you'll remember that the Holy Spirit was called the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And the ghost is just Old English for spirit, right? So if you've seen, heard anything, you know, spirits in the house, same as ghost in the house. But one, one reason that this can help us get started on this series is because, if you're honest, the subject of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost is something that can scare people, right? We've all had different kinds of experiences. And for some of us, particularly coming maybe from more of a conservative, traditional background, when we hear the Holy Spirit or maybe hear there's going to be a series on the Holy Spirit, it may make some of us start to squirm in our seats a little bit. What's going on? What have I gotten myself into? But hopefully we'll learn through this series that the teaching of the Bible on the Holy Spirit is anything but scary. It is wonderful. It's good news. Actually, you can't have the gospel if you don't have the Holy Spirit. And so today, again, we will just scratch the surface. And as we go through this series, hopefully just learn more and more about the good news of the Holy Spirit, who He is and what He has done. So John chapter 16, verses 1 through 15. We're going to read this morning and hopefully help Jesus, the great teacher, the great pastor of this church, teach us about the Spirit. So John 16, beginning in verse 1. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I've said these things to you so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Now, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Notice this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe. Concerning 
Righteousness, because I go to the Father and you see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He speaks, He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me. For He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that He will take what is mine and declare it to you. Let's pray. Father, we praise you this morning as the one who has designed the salvation that we now enjoy. Son, we praise you, Jesus, that you have accomplished our salvation. And Spirit, we praise you because you have applied everything the Father designed and everything the Son fulfilled in our hearts. And we pray today you would do this again, that we might know you, Father, Son, and Spirit, our God, your good news for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There was a lady, and hopefully she won't hear this and be offended, at the church that, that I came from, who, and you're going to think this isn't strange at first, as a baby was in a, a mama's womb and a mama's belly and was growing, she would always call the baby it. Oh, I bet it's just going to be beautiful. I bet it's just going to be the sweetest little baby. Well, that's not so strange, is it? Well, what got a little stranger, though, is after the baby was born, is she would keep saying, it's just so pretty. Look at it just sitting over there. And you're starting to think, what? Doesn't she know it? Now we know it's a boy or a girl. Well, what was really strange is when it gets five or six years old, and we're having lunch there at the church, and the kids are out on the playground. She, she walks up, and she continues to say, just look at it out there playing on the playground. Just look at it on the swing. Just look at it having fun. And you're thinking, it has a name. It is a girl. It is a person. Now, as, as strange as that might, may sound, That's exactly the same thing so many of us do with the Holy Spirit. We look at the Holy Spirit as an it. We look at the Holy Spirit as some kind of force. We think of the Holy Spirit in the way that many people think of Star Wars. May the force be with you. The force is strong in this one. We think of the Spirit. The Spirit is with you. The the Spirit is strong in that one. But much like this lady... If we're honest, we don't just do that as new believers. Some of us have been believers for a very long time. And we still don't understand what it means to know the Holy Spirit as a person. We know the Holy Spirit as a power, but do we know the Holy Spirit as a person? If we don't know the Holy Spirit as a person, then we are missing out on knowing God in His fullness and His greatness as Father, Son, and Spirit. I can think of a few ways of how we think of the Holy Spirit as as I've thought about this week. The first one is is a buzz, right? The Holy Spirit, wow, they're playing my song. They're playing my song. Or we think of the Holy Spirit, right, as a buzz in terms of goosebumps. Whoa, the Spirit is on me this morning. 
Okay? Again, a force. Or others of us, the other extreme, we think of the Holy Spirit as a belief. So this is just a doctrine that I believe. I believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I can dot all the I's and cross all the T's on what the Word of God says about who the Spirit of God is. But you, that doesn't ever make you feel anything. There's no kind of relationship there. And there's others of us who I think of the Holy Spirit as a bunny suit. You're like, what? You remember Christmas story? Ralphie? Okay. What does Ralphie get, I believe, from his aunt, maybe Aunt Martha? He gets this pink bunny suit. Now, Aunt Martha, if that is her name, she meant well, didn't she? And she gave him this gift. But Ralphie's like, I, I'm kind of embarrassed of this gift. And I'm certainly not going to wear this gift in everyday life. <laughs> I'm not showing up to school in a pink bunny suit. And there's some of us in here, that's how we think about the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I'm sure that's a well-intended gift from God. But to be honest with you, I don't know what to do with it. I'm a little bit embarrassed of it. And I certainly don't understand how it's going to have any difference in my everyday life. What we see and what we have to see from God's Word is that understanding the Holy Spirit as a person, this isn't just about understanding good doctrine. This is about getting good news. The Holy Spirit is a person, and we have to know the person behind the power. And this is exactly what the disciples are doing here. Notice, Jesus is preparing them for His departure, and in doing so, telling them why they need the person of the Spirit. If you'll notice again in verses 1 through 4, we see here Jesus is saying, I'm going to tell you some things to keep you from falling away. You are going to be persecuted. You're going to be kicked out of the places that you worshipped your whole life, the synagogues. They're going to do these things to you in the name of the Father, but actually they don't know the Father. And I'm telling you these things so that when these things happen, you're going to be ready for them. But then he gives them this next bit of information. And oh, by the way, I won't be here when it happens. I'm leaving. That's why I'm telling you now. I've not tried to, to flip you out over this all along, but you need to be ready for this. I'm about to leave when you face this. So obviously they're overwhelmed. They're so overwhelmed, they're not even asking Jesus about it. He's like, I've told you this. You're not asking me the, the details. You're just sorrowful. But do you blame them? Hey, guys, you're about to die. See you later. Not long ago, I asked my daughter, Kaylee, she, if you don't know, she's eight years old, and please don't judge me on this, said, hey, what if me and uh, your mom went out on a date and you watched the boys? An eight-year-old with her two seven- and five-year-olds. I'm like, hey, I've been to places where eight-year-old girls are basically moms, right? Support me a little bit. <laughs> and don't call child services. <laughs> But you should have saw the look in her eyes when I mentioned this. Like, do you know my brothers? <laughs> they will kill me. And no matter how you try to assure, listen, you know we know our neighbors well. I'll leave you my phone and we'll have, we'll have Cassie's phone. We'll have Mama's phone. And so you can call us if something happens. Now, I wasn't really going to do all this. It was just playing with her at this point, maybe. <laughs> but you, you can see, regardless of the assurances, she is scared. 
That's how the disciples felt. Jesus is saying, guys, it's going to be all right. But they're scared to death because he's going to be gone. Is that not how some of you feel sometimes? Jesus, I'm glad all you did for me back then, the cross and resurrection, and I'm glad you're going to come back one day, but it sure would be nice if you were here now every once in a while. I remember a lady whose husband died one time, and I went to, to try to encourage her and give her some comfort, and I said, you know, the classic line, you're just trying to think of something to say, trying to minister to people, and you say, well, you, you know that although you feel alone, the Lord's with you. And she said, yeah, but he can't pull up a chair and sit down and have coffee with me in the morning. Some of you probably think, you know, when my kids are going crazy, it sure would be nice, Jesus, if you'd make an appearance. <laughs> You know, when I want to punch my spouse, wouldn't it be great if you'd show up? Just be great. Little, real presence of Jesus in this situation. You got to make that big decision in life and you're just thinking, man, if only you would just be here. But I'm facing all this sorrow, all this confusion, and I, and I just feel so alone. This is who Jesus is speaking this to this morning. To people who are confused, who are afraid, who don't know what to do without Him being there. And so He gives them this good news of the person of the Spirit. Notice verse 7. Nevertheless, in spite of all that, I tell you the truth. I'm sitting a lie. It's to your advantage that I go away. Did you hear that? That sounds like crazy talk, doesn't it? You know what, disciples? I'm about to leave you. I'm not going to be here anymore. And that's your advantage. We've got to decide whether we believe that or not before we leave here this morning. And obviously, the, the question of how this is to their advantage is going to be big. Notice he says, Because or for, if I don't go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The helper here is the Holy Spirit. We can see this later down in, in verse 13 where he's called the Spirit of Truth. If you wanted to later this afternoon, you could go to chapter 14 where Jesus has already talked about these things, the sending of the Holy Spirit as this great helper. And Jesus is saying, if I don't go, then he can't come. Now, what Jesus is not saying is that he and the Holy Spirit kind of have some kind of strange relationship where they can't be in the same room at the same time. Okay, like, i got to go out so he can come in. No, it's not doing that. What he is saying, he's saying, if I don't go, as in, if I don't complete the mission that the Father has given me, Throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus speaks of His departure. And His departure is not just talking about His exit. His departure is talking about His mission. That He has come into this world to live the life that sinners couldn't live for them. He has come to die the death that they deserve. He has come to bring the new life through His resurrection they could never achieve. But also, and this is important because it's the Gospel, He has come to ascend and take the seat at the right hand of His Father as the King of kings and Lord of lords. But more... And it goes on. He has come to send His Spirit into this world to make all things new, including you and beginning with you. 
And what he is saying, if I don't go and finish the mission, then the spirit that has been promised, the power, the person of God to change this world cannot come. So this is good news. It's good news because everything that the prophets foretold of a day when not only would God's people have God's law, they would have the power and the ability to obey it. Not only would they be told, this is what it is to be a holy people. No, they would actually have the presence of the holy God in them to be that holy people. So he says, I know it feels like a disadvantage, but it's not. It's not. This is good news. I remember one Christmas when we were having a a great time as a family. You're playing with your kids and you're like... Sorry, kids, I, I got to go. And your kids are like, Dad, why don't you want to stay and play with us? You don't, love us? you don't love us. You always have something to go do. Guess what I was going to do? Buy them presents. Now, I guarantee you, if I would have told my kids I was going to buy them presents, you know what they'd say? Leave, Daddy. <laughs> Leave, yeah. Dean's right. Here's the keys. See you later. But because they didn't understand that my leaving was to their advantage, it only produced sorrow in their hearts. The same thing is true with the disciples. The same thing is true with us. Jesus didn't leave us because He doesn't love us. He left us because He does love us. And He hasn't left us alone. He's left us with the Spirit. Because me showing up with presents is good news, but if I showed up with Grandma then now it's really on for my kids. And they don't even care if I'm there anymore. Because Grandma's going to bring a lot more presents, a lot more gifts. But none of this really clicks with us unless we understand the Holy Spirit as a real person. A real person. So Jesus describes it, describes Him this way to them. We see this in in several of these verses. Notice verse 7. I will, send, I will send Him to you at the end. Again, in verse 8, notice when He comes. Verse 13, He will guide you in the truth. He will not speak on His own authority. He hears what He hears, He will speak. Verse 14, He will glorify me. He will take what is mine. Verse 15, He will take what is mine and declare it to you. I'm just saying, do you see, is Jesus calling the Holy Spirit a it? No. He. Him. A person. Not an appendage of the Father and the Son. Not a power from the Father and the Son. But a person coming from the Father and the Son. There's also something else. And in chapter 14, verse 16, I'm just going to read this for you quickly. It's almost exactly the same words. Not, it doesn't say, I will send a helper to you. But it says it this way. I will give you another helper. I'll give you another helper. Now, you might think I'm about to get technical on you for a second, and I wouldn't do this if it wasn't important. In the language that the New Testament was written, Greek, for you that don't know it, there's two different words for another or other. There's one word that means other, a different kind of other, and there's another word that means other but the same kind of other. 
And John could have used either one of these words, but he chose here to use the word to bring across to us the message that Jesus spoke, the same kind of other. What Jesus is saying, I'm not sending you some a spirit that's totally different than me. I'm sending you a spirit who actually will be as me with you. When we think of the Holy Spirit, we need not think that we are somehow getting something less. We're getting the Spirit in other parts of Scripture that's called the Spirit not only of God, but the Spirit of Christ. And so Jesus, as He explains what it means to actually experience a life in the person of the Holy Spirit, we see here He's just going to explain the Spirit's going to keep doing what I already have been doing. He's going to talk about conviction of sin. He's going to talk about teaching the Word. He's going to talk about putting the spotlight on the Gospel. All the things that Jesus did, He's saying, this helper is going to continue to do in you. So notice verses 8 through 10. What does it mean for us to experience the person of the Holy Spirit? Because we don't just want to know He's a person as a doctrine. We want to know He's a person in our lives. Notice, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Sin because they don't believe in me. Righteousness because I go to the Father and you'll see me no longer. Judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So notice again, this is things that not a force does. These are things that people do. He convicts. And the, the, the related word there with convict, He convinces. The Holy Spirit is a pers- persuader. And we see He is personal because in other places in Scripture we see the Holy Spirit can be grieved. A force can't be grieved. A person is grieved. In Hebrews 10.29 we see He can be outraged. In Acts chapter 5 we see the Spirit can be lied to. The apostles say to, two, to a man and woman, Ananias and Sapphira, who lied to the church, you've lied to, you've lied to the Holy Spirit So you've lied to God. In Acts chapter 7, we see the Holy Spirit can be resisted. The Holy Spirit is a person. A person who comes to convict of sin. A person who comes to convince of righteousness and judgment. But is that how we experience the Holy Spirit when it comes to us being convicted of sin and us taking the gospel to other people so that they might be convinced of their sin and their need of a Savior. And it begins with how we think of how we came to Christ in the first place. Do you realize that you were introduced to Jesus not merely through a person, a preacher, or a friend, but through the person of the Holy Spirit? This week ago, this week, 13 years ago, one of my friends introduced me to my wife. Now, however she thinks about that guy now, whether he gets blame or credit, I don't know. But when you came to know Jesus Christ, the person of the Holy Spirit said, here he is, the one who loves you and the only one who can make your life whole. That was a person. And when you go to share the gospel with other people and you feel so overwhelmed, you feel maybe so out of place and you feel so confused, well, there's good news. You're not alone. It's not just you and that person in that conversation. It's you, that person, and the person of the Holy Spirit. 
You look in your missional community sometimes and you think, what in the world could God do with this sort of ragtag group of people to change others? Well, I don't know. But I know what He can do through a group of people who are walking in step with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is with them in their presence. This is what Jesus is saying. Disciples, you feel alone. You don't know how you're going to go out into the world and speak the gospel and change lives. Well, there's good news. I'm sending the Spirit, the Helper, to be with you. But it's not just in when we share the gospel. It's how we experience conviction in our own lives. If you think of the Holy Spirit as just a feeling, if you think of the Holy Spirit as just your conscience... You're going to have a very different experience when you're convicted of sin than if you think of the Holy Spirit as a person. Because you need to realize, when you are tempted to sin, and the Spirit is speaking into your mind, run away, resist, that when you give in to that sin, you are not just going against your conscience, you are grieving a person. This is going to sound strange, but yesterday, I went on an errand for my wife in between Lunch and supper. And because I like to eat a little too much, I thought, why don't I just pull into Wendy's here and get me a hamburger? (laughs) Again, this is no big deal. I know this sounds trivial. But I knew it wasn't wise for a number of reasons. And I was preaching this sermon, and I wrestled with, what What does this mean to actually live? I felt convicted, and I, I thought, well... That's just a feeling it'll go away. And then I believe the Spirit reminded me of the Spirit. <laughs> no, right now you're going to make a choice whether you're going to follow a person, the Holy Spirit of God, or a person yourself. You see that our walk and the battles that we face with sin, we're called, Paul says in Galatians 5, 25, to keep in step with the Spirit. We don't keep in step with an it. We keep in step with a person. And whether that you come to a computer this week and you're tempted to look at pornography, you're not just resisting your conscience. You've got to ask, am I going to follow the Spirit? When you're tempted to get mad and have a cold shoulder towards your spouse because of the way they've treated you, you're going to have to decide, will I follow the Spirit or will I follow myself? But also the Spirit, personally, we see here, not only convicts, He teaches. We see this in verses 11 through 13. Jesus says to them, I've got many things to say to you. You can't bear them now. It's it's too much for you right now. But the Spirit of truth, when He comes, He's going to guide you into all truth. He's not going to just speak on His own authority, but He's going to speak whatever He hears from me. So just like Jesus in His life said, I don't speak anything on my own authority. I only speak what the Father says. You see that? Now Jesus is saying, the Spirit's going to come, and just like I did while I was on earth, the Spirit's going to do on earth what I did. He'll speak what He hears into your lives. And the first way this starts is He speaks to these disciples what we have today in the Word of God. In 2 Timothy 3.16, we see that the Scripture is God-breathed. In 2 Peter 1, we see that the Scripture is written by those who were moved along by the Holy Spirit. The words you have in your Bible are not just words on a page. These are the words of the Holy Spirit given to you. And the God God that comes to us in the Spirit has not brought us just a form letter. Have you ever received a letter 
that you know is typed out and went to everybody and then had the guy's signature? And then you're thinking, I wonder if he even really signed it. Yeah, stamp. Is that how you think of the Bible? I probably do sometimes. But we see here is that the Word of God, Jesus is saying, I'm not just going to give you a word that's just a form letter. I'm giving you the Word, but I'm giving you the Spirit. So that when you come to this unchanging Word of God, you realize that this Word was inspired, it was written, it was done, it was composed through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that same Spirit that gave you that Word is the same Spirit that is in you. So when you say, I'm not going to go read God's Word this morning, you're not just resisting a time with a book. You're missing out on a time with a person. You're missing out on how God wants to teach you, how He wants to guide you. He says you're not going to know what to do, but I'm going to give you the truth. God's given us the truth in the Word, but He's also given us the truth in the Spirit. And when we make decisions and live our lives apart from the Word and the Spirit, we're missing out on the fact that the person whom we need the most to talk to It's the person who's in us. How many of us, the last thing that we want to do when we have a decision to make is come to the Word of God and prayer and dependence on the Spirit? Husbands, imagine going to another woman and asking her for advice in your wife's area expertise. How's that going to go over? Well, you know, I just went and talked to her. I just thought she would help me. She's so smart. And your wife's going to be sitting there thinking, do you realize how that offends me? Brothers and sisters, we have the Spirit of God sent to us to teach us the Word of God. Let's not go to Him last. Let's go to Him first. And then let's call others within the community of God who also have the Spirit to speak truth into our lives and could us knit us together in His Word. So we experience Him personally through conviction, personally through teaching. But it really all boils down to this final thing, how we experience Him personally. And if we don't get this, we will miss the person of the Holy Spirit, but maybe think we have encountered Him. This is what we see in verses 14 and 15. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, He will glorify me. He will glorify me. He will declare what is of me to you. So the Spirit's not just a persuader. He's not just a teacher. It's as He is the agent sent to bring glory to the Son. One writer by the name of J.I. Packer talks about one night how he is walking. He's from England. And he walked up on this great old cathedral. And it was beautiful. But you know, the only way he could see that beautiful cathedral at night was because there was this giant floodlight shining on. Exposing the glory of that building in the darkness of the night. And what Jesus is telling the disciples, the Spirit's going to come, as it were, and be the one who holds the spotlight on me and who I am and what I've done for you as you struggle in this world. You can know that you are keeping in step with the person of the Holy Spirit when your mind is stayed on the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are a lot of counterfeit experiences of the Spirit. And the way that you can know they are is Jesus is nowhere to be found in the conversation or the celebration. Where the Spirit is, Jesus will be lifted high. 
That's what he's saying. And so if you want to experience this person in the Spirit, then guess what? You've got to be the person who goes deeper in the gospel. That's where the Spirit is at work. He comes to glorify the Son. And the chief way that He does this in our hearts is through this word we see here, helper. Now, if you have other translations, verse 7, it may say the comforter. It may say the counselor. Now, the reason why these different translations have so many different Conclusions on this is because this is a a word that's just hard to bring across. It's a word, the word is paraclete, if you're interested in that. It would technically mean someone that comes alongside someone, but we still have to answer the question, come alongside for what? But the best understanding that I think we can take from this, as Jesus says, another helper is going to come like I am. And what this word paraclete means as we study it, not only in other places in the Scripture, but in other uses outside the Scripture in this time, is it's an advocate. I'm going to send you an advocate. What is an advocate? Some of you know like you have student advocates, teacher advocates. An advocate is someone who stands up for a person. An advocate is someone who makes sure that certain people are taken care of in spite of any accusation, in spite of any attack that is brought against them. Now what we see in the Scriptures is that this word is not only used here of the Spirit, but firstly and chiefly it's used of the Son. In 1 John chapter 2, Jesus says, If you sin, my brothers and sisters, there's good news. You have an advocate before the Father. That is, you have someone in heaven who is standing when the the enemy might accuse you even before God the Father and say, look down there at Rusty, he's guilty. Look at his sin. Jesus says, wait a minute. That's a lie. I have covered him with my blood. I have made him your child, Father. But the good news we're seeing here is although Jesus is an advocate in heaven, that He has sent us an advocate on earth. An advocate in us. Because there are days, as you seek like these disciples, to live in this life, to go into your homes, to go into your mission fields, and the enemy, Satan, is a great lawyer. He's the accuser. And he is going to continually tell you, you're not worth anything. Your sin defines you. You must continue to hide in your guilt and in your shame. And if you think of the Holy Spirit as just an it or your conscience, then guess what? The gospel is going to maybe mean little to you in those times. But what Jesus is saying, I'm sending a person to you who in your heart is going to tell you the good news. As Paul says in Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit who through us and in us in our hardest times cries out, Abba, Father. It's as if you were to doubt God's love and the Spirit is there to remind you, I don't care what you feel right now. This is the truth. Satan may be the great lawyer, but the Spirit is the star witness who settles the case 
in the court of our emotions. Even as Jesus settles our case in the court of God's presence. It's an amazing thing when you see someone as a person. I remember growing up, maybe like some of you, and I thought of my dad as just sort of this functional authority in our home. He goes to work. He makes sure the bills are paid. He takes me to my ball games. And he disciplines me when I do wrong. And then as I got a little older, I would start to see my dad around his friends. And, hey, he's actually funny. <laughs> hey, actually, peop- he actually is a normal person. What? <laughs> and then as you get older, you realize that more. And you start to think, wow, I wish I would knew that when I was younger. I missed out on a relationship with someone because I didn't see them as a person. I just saw them as a function. We've got to ask ourselves, do we know the Holy Spirit just as a power that works for us or a person who lives in us? If we want to know the Holy Spirit as a person, we've got to deepen our awareness. We've got to know that. We've got to start to live every day in light of the fact He is a person. And we've got to soak ourselves in the gospel. See, the Holy Spirit is so much more than a buzz, so much more than just a belief, so much greater than some strange bunny suit. The Holy Spirit is the person of God sent by Jesus to change us in our world. Father, we thank you so much that you've not left us alone. Certainly we feel alone at times, but we thank you that in Jesus Christ we have been gifted with the Holy Spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.